Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a while. It's been a while, but guess who's back in the house? Yes, yes, it's Mike Payone again with episode 31 of The Weird is a New Black Show. And today I have my main man, Sid Sutra. Sir. And it's it's the thing, though. For those who don't know, like, Philadelphia's music scene has always been a thriving force. It's always been around. You can't deny it. There's artists left and right of all genres just making their moves. Now, I want to say that I've probably known you and known own of your, even your collective for close to what? What, damn near 10 years now? It's been about, yeah, it's been a little over 10 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember uh, seeing yeah. your band, uh, Selah. Yes, sir. Perform, opening up for different acts throughout the city. Yeah. And the ill part about your, your band is that you guys did everything. Yes, sir. You were musicians. Yes, sir. First. You guys could wrap your asses off. And every time I would see your performances, it was just lively, man. Yes, sir. Lively performances. So I want to know your history with the group, Mm -hmm. how you got involved in it, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're going to take it from there. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, How did that even happen? Um, I was in school. Um, We all went to... uh, a school called UArts right down the street from here. Um, and that kind of, that's like the, uh, the the general gist that we were in the, in the dorms. Um, most of the members of the band lived in a dorm, in a particular dorm. We lived in Furness over there by the, um, by the Kimmel. And um, it was kind of weird. It was just a bunch of people that I was writing with um, when I was, uh, uh, in the dorm, kind of just moving, moving organically. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't an effort thing. You know what I mean? Um, uh, Mike, in particular, um, my brother Mike, that was in a band. Um, I think that was probably the most powerful part of that. You know, um, ironically, for him to not be here at this point, um, that was the most powerful kind of influence because. No one else really was like believing in what I was doing. You know what I mean? He was the first person that came in, came in my room, and I was, you know, playing beat for beat after beat for him. And he was like, "Yo, I like this. I like this. I like this." And you know, let me rap on this. Let me rap on this. You know what I mean? He would always come and get hype. You know, he used to do this thing. He would come and be like, he was like, "Yeah, let me just, let me just rap on this." I'm like, "Yo, I need my computer though." <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So um, from there, but he was already in the band on campus and they were already kind of shutting it down. And by kind of, I mean definitely shutting it down. There's labels looking at them and everything. Um, and um, the first song I ever recorded, like literally the first complete song I ever recorded, we did together in a dorm. And I sampled um, The Price is Right, like the game show, the Word. TV game show. Nice. Um, and... Uh, he uh, and he asked me, he spit on it for me. Um, I had one of my other brothers from the neighborhood as well on a track. 
um, named Enox, and that was it. It was a very like hip hop purist spirited uh, album, and uh, I mean song. And it was like uh, uh, it was I was very like idealistic. I, like I I mean I consider myself idealistic now, but the song was very idealistic. Um, and we were all kind of in that same spirit at that age, and I think um, that's kind of what started the whole thing. Even though he wasn't even in the, in the group, Selah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But that kind of ignited that whole kind of obsession that I had at that point with getting songs recorded, and um, you know, from there, just like you know, just the recordings. I started working with other members of the group. I went up. Um, We'll go upstairs and record with the guitar player, Josh. Um, sometimes Marjelle will come through. And, um, and that was it. Like, you know, from there, we were just recording, always recording songs, like always recording so much stuff. And I was always recording so much stuff. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, that was, that was it, you know? That was it. Word, I want to take some time out to also to honor the memory of Mike. Yeah. Uh, it's a good brother. Uh, and because I, I don't know, it's funny because he was always like full of like of energy of some kind, mm-hmm. you know. But when it came came down to music, I, I used to take uh, when I was in the photography game, which is how I met you guys. Yes, there absolutely. Was, there was a yeah. show that I captured you. Um, I think Chill Moody oh, yeah. and Bino French had, were on the set with you guys as well. Oh yeah, I, I forgot. Met, that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering if you were opening, was it opening for Fonte mm-hmm. and Knife Wonder? Yeah. I think it might have been that one. So it was like, it was December. I remember it was a cold, it was brick as hell outside, man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. It. we were seeing that. And yeah. shout out to Margell, dope brother. Right. But I think that's what made the the group appeal like so much to me because like, you guys had such a organic and amazing yeah. chemistry. It It was. Or it was a an amazing chemistry. It was, man, that was a journey. That period, and that was so much of because we're young. So that ten years of of our youth, you know what I mean. Um, the chemistry was always very interesting because there was like there was like a lot of blessings with that, and then there was a lot of challenges with it. Um, not personally, but it was like uh, there was so much different types of music that everybody liked to make in the group. There was literally somebody that had a different um and I and I and I and I partly, you know, I know that's because that's how I am. I like so much different music. It took me years to say I'm gonna make this kind of music right now and just be okay with making that type of music. And that's and that sounds artistically like so counterintuitive because nobody wants to box themselves, you know what I mean, into a genre. Um but there were multiple points in the group where there were uh uh we were like we're situate like the situation was like this is if we want to get through this door, we have to make this decision right now. What type of music are we gonna make right now? And so that was like um uh always like a discipline thing, you know what I mean? As an artist, like artistically, like that discipline, like Let's let's make this hip hop shit today, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if we make this hip hop shit today, this will open this door. 
let's make this progressive rock let's make this pop rock song today mm-hmm. because we know it's gonna open this door and we weren't writing like that but we had all that content in the course of just writing a lot of music so it's like literally how do we focus each thing um but at the same time with a lot of people that are creative and are, are passionate and believe in what they're doing then eventually everybody's gonna like well i have opportunity to do the thing that i want to do let me do that you know what i mean so like for instance the drummer we had a drummer for a really tight drummer we had the drummer from soul school like the mike the band that mike was in mm-hmm. at that time but there was a there was music that he wanted to play and that he felt that you know what i mean um and so you know then he found a band that's like yo this is the music i want to play you know what i mean um same thing with josh like everybody in the group and i did feel like after a point like we were kind of all like attached to that you know what i mean that uh this is like 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 the just the energy of it like even if you weren't actively participating in it at mm-hmm. different points the energy of it so there was a point where it's like yo we got to kind of like acknowledge that this is the shift that's taking place you know what i mean right and do the thing that uh that we all enjoy doing you know so um yeah like that was that was that was something that people appreciated about it, it was weird like the 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 influence of all these different type of types of music wasn't was an asset but it's also the greatest weakness of the group especially like on a business like on a shrewd kind of business side of things mm-hmm. and then as you know as an artist you do get to that point. i'm sure you've been there where you're maturing to the business yes. pay attention to the the uh the uh what i have to do to make this pay my bills you know mm-hmm. and so that's kind of the farther you go down that rabbit hole then the farther you go down to how do i make the hard decisions you know mm-hmm. so that's i mean that's essentially you know that was the beauty of i'm glad i had those experiences because it made me comfortable on stage and mike taught me the stage so much there's things people don't know like mike like i could go for hours about like how much I don't know what people saw on the outside, but even when he wasn't in the group, Mike was always shaping the group so much. He was always like on me about stage, uh, stage etiquette, diction. Um, um, even like even on the business side, like things you know, things got to be tight with the gigs. We got to make sure things are, are work or like clockwork. And I'm like that by nature, but I didn't know how that looked. And he's older than everyone in the group. He was older than everyone so he was like the big brother of everyone in the group so like it was definitely he was the one that was shaping and putting things in my ear like yo we should be focused on this and so those years were formative it was almost like being in a group with a teacher with my teacher you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so you know i'm just saying all that to say that uh you know I'm grateful for those times, but it definitely was like getting to a point where like, yo, we gotta figure out what the next step is because it's putting a glass ceiling on everybody. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. cause I remember there was a time like towards the end of the, I guess the group collective and you're going towards your own direction. Like I knew you as uh, you know, I call you Mr. Little, right? Yeah. Like I, used, <laughs> I used to spell your name. It was like, that was your way of like your uh-huh. part of your identity as an artist. Mm-hmm. 
but then I see you, because uh, it, it had been a while since I had seen you around. Mm-hmm. And then next thing I, I, next time I saw you, like, you, had your, you had your hair cut low, right? Mm-hmm. And then you had the, the new moniker, which is Sid Sutra. Mm-hmm. And I was interested in learning about mm-hmm. what transpired or what pushed you towards this new direction because I mm-hmm. feel like Sid Sutra has spiritual attributes to it mm-hmm. in a way, you know? Absolutely. So, absolutely. How did you go yeah. from being part of this group collective mm-hmm. into becoming who you are now? Um, keep it a being, a lot of that was like pain, you know what I mean? A right. lot of that was pain because it's a teacher, you know what I mean? And um, there was like, like again, like that, like the the passing of my brother. Um, there was a lot of other stuff going on in the backdrop, just like frustration around like employment and being an artist. Again, how do I make this my career? There was the energy, like there was relationship energy. There was like family energy. There, there was um, also deaths in the family. Like all these things were happening at the same time. I was like, yo, this is a lot, you know? And to kind of stay centered during all that, it demands like a lot of personal growth. Um, and then all this is is coming out, like I guess like this series of realizations and a lot of my songs are like right as if I'm talking myself through things. Mm-hmm. And so that's just the, and, and also seeking for a way to make, make all this better. You know, and there's all these things going on that you want to make better. And so it does take you on a spiritual journey. Like how do you deal with something like, I'm an artist, so I'm big on like efficacy because art is one of the biggest efficacy you know, for those of you that don't know, efficacy is like how what tools you use to manage stress or manage pain or loss or um, for some people even like literal like mental health disorders, you know. So like, um, you know, the rabbit hole of efficacy can go a lot of levels. But, um, you know, I think that uh, that journey was leading me farther. And I've always been a very like even within even within the group and even amongst my peers and amongst my family, like there's a there is an energy of spirituality, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. for me. Because that connectedness to, I guess, like a higher power or even wisdom or even elders. Or like when I was little, a lot of my friends, I didn't have a lot of friends my own age. You know what I mean? Like I spent a lot of time around elders all the time. You know? You know what I mean? Yes, indeed. I got all my best information with people who were older than me. Mm-hmm. You know? Because like me as an only child, it was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I, had older, I had older cousins. And they were the ones, and I had young parents. So a lot of what I got from the world came mm. from those sources. Mm. Because, you know, anyone who's my age range, like, in, you know, school, like elementary school, middle school, and even high school, uh, their information was limited. That's why I would always look up to whoever was older. Mm-hmm. Because they, I felt like they just knew things because mm. based on their experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. it's made, it made so much sense. But as I've gotten older, you realize some of the information that you may have received from the older generation mm. may not have been May not be the best information, but it was what was needed for them to get through their era and their time. Yeah, that's a that's a real uh, wall. That's yeah. and that's that's dope that you said it because that's something too that I think you know dealing with even in the art right now is like the um, uh, uh, how to appropriate information for the time we're in. 
Yes. You know, at the same time, I feel like when I think when elders say things that are like really true, like like you know what I mean, like or anybody if they're saying something that's true, it's gonna stay true. You know what I mean. And um, I also do feel fortunate that a lot of what I received from elders definitely became true later or stayed true. Mm-hmm. If I, I might not have got it at that time, and there's like because there's a difference between like rules or like values and like what. Like what's universally true, you know what I mean? Like there's like there's like standards around society. Like you should be this age when you have this much money. You should get married at this age. You need to pay your bills this way. You need to, you know, like the logistic stuff, or even like beliefs around what's what's allowed in society. Like all these things. But then there's like there's like a there's like tiers of what's true. Like there's things that are temporarily true. Right. You know what I mean? But then, like, for instance, how you get a job is different now than it was in the year 19-whatever. You know, the application, this is application, this is how you uh, sustain your career as opposed to your network, this is how you sustain your career. Or you have to know how to market yourself, this is how you sustain your career. The entrepreneurship of your job. Even if your job isn't entrepreneur-centered, there might still be entrepreneurship in your mm-hmm. And so, like, if I'm a designer, how I sustain my career is different than if I, um, you know, work, if I'm a politician. And also, too, like, the role of politics and, like, how you circumnavigate politics or how you circumnavigate education, how you get resources, how you make money. There's so many new avenues that are being developed. And, like, even with the Internet, we're we're the children of that. We're the children of that. We're, like... In a strange way, you know how like in business, there's the early adopters and the general people who adopted, then the late adopters, right? That's a little business jewel you get, right? And then the same thing is true in society. And like we're the earlier, early adopters generationally of this technology shit. And it reminds me of, I use this analogy a lot, the case of the milkman. Technology killed off the milkman. Mm. Because remember, well... Mm -hmm. We don't remember per se, but if you ever watched like, you know, <laughs> like right. you ever watched uh like Leave with the Beaver or any of these shows like from the fifties mm-hmm. or any movie set in the fifties or whatever, there was always the milkman riding around his truck with glass bottles of milk. <laughs> you know? And everybody would get these bottles of milk, they uh-huh. they, they would be done with the uh, with the bottles, empty the bottles out and mm-hmm. put them back in the um in the in the crate and mm-hmm. the milkman would come by, pick them up. Clean, clean them, reuse them, and all that. Mm-hmm. There is no more milkman. Mm-hmm. There's no need for a milkman anymore. Right. Because we have markets mm-hmm. or other delivery services. Mm-hmm. We, we get our own milk. Mm-hmm. You don't need them anymore. We get our own milk. You know, we get our own milk. We get our own milk, right. And the same with back in the day when you had our great-grandparents, right, may have been neighborhood icemen. Right, you know, right. Oh, truck. man, you kicking it. Good to, you know, uh-huh. hey, hey, come on, run outside, y'all. We got blocks of ice out here. You know, just, you know, shaving the ice off or cutting them, cutting the blocks of ice up, giving people so they can have ice to preserve their food. Mm. There's no need for that anymore. Right. So nowadays it's like the older generation is kind of like why they tell us why the older generation was so damn like adamant about all of us going to college. About you have to do this mm. so you can get a job. Mm-hmm. And and this and that and this, so you can have this nuclear family and all that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. as you can see, oh man, yeah, the nuclear family, absolutely. The game has changed. Yeah, 
immensely. And like, it's, if you have the internet, you can pretty much do anything that you want from a social media standpoint. <laughs> like, what was the uh, my favorite thing? I was growing up and hearing about Hollywood in L.A. People mm. thought they had to leave their small towns uh-huh. to go out to Hollywood Yo, and make it big. Let me tell you how I learned that the hard way. <laughs> oh, yeah, story oh. time. You know what I mean? And that's right. real. That's real. That's definitely. Um, L.A. was was dope because it is. I mean, for what it's worth, everything is in arm's reach. It's not hard to to be in a room with people that have access to the next level of whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Right. Um, is You know, because everybody at that point, like the period of time where that was true, mm-hmm. you know, again, like that temporary truth again, like at the period of time where that was true, you know, there are people still there from that period of time. Um, but my experience in L.A. was like, yo, the, the same way when you were here, if you don't build up your audience, if you don't build up, you don't go get your own milk, mm-hmm. you, you ain't going to have no milk. Nope. You know? And so I came back to Philly kind of with the reinforcement. Because I remember thinking also back to when I was in Selah, That's that was one of my things um, coming up. I wasn't like a handout person. Something about Philly. People used to always uh, complain about the clickiness of Yo, they not messing with me. Am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, speak your mind, people bro. Don't, people, don't, people don't fuck with me. And this group of people don't fuck with me because I don't sound like this. Or this people don't fuck with me because this and everybody's fronting on my... And I've, and I've had that emotion as well. So I'm not knocking somebody that comes with that perspective. So far. You know? But I quickly realized two things. Because something started happening. Mm-hmm. Something started happening. When I started realizing like, yo, if we just do our own shit, we don't have to worry about cosigns from whoever. I don't I need to worry about someone from this magazine saying, putting putting me on or putting me out there because I, I have direct access to my audience now. And I have a personal relationship with my audience now. And the minute I started doing that, someone would come to me and say, you know, such and such was in a studio playing your song. Like, in, like word would get back to me that the doors that I wanted to open were open. And people like, what, you know, people talk about you negatively behind your back. Yes. I was, people were talking positively about us behind our back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just from building your own stuff. And that's, and I realized that the people that it appears like they're being clicky is not that they're uh, being clicky. When the tables turned and now I'm sitting in a chair where things Things are things are taking place on their own without an outside cosign, you mm-hmm. know. People are coming around kinda wanting to compete, you know, be in your mix and secretly want to compete with you. People are coming in, into your mix and maybe contributing non-productivity. People want to come into you and people that are already in these positions have to be aware of that. It's not about like trying to control the city or trying to block doors. If you are building something that's valuable to you, you got to know that the people around you have your best interest at heart. And people that are complaining about the door being closed may be just being watched to see what they're going to do to know if you're somebody that if I bring you into this space, are you going to contribute or are you going to pull things down, you know? Right. And so that's a, that's a big epidemic, not in Philly, but that I see people do. Like oh you got the you got the resources they don't have the resources they took the time to build the resources 
and they're waiting to see if you're going to build the resources to know whether or not you're going to be an asset to them or a resource drain, and that's just real. So in a way, it all boils down to perspective. Mm-hmm. You either see the water, you know, the, the glass half full or half empty. Mm-hmm. It's all about how you see it. Yeah, yeah. What is the meaning behind the name Sid Sutra? Awesome. Yeah, I, I love that question because I know that the the minute someone sees Sutra, they're like, "Oh, Karma Sutra, freak ball." <laughs> nah, you know, Sutra is a uh, Karma Sutra is one of probably thousands. I don't know how many sutras there are, but a sutra is very similar. In, in in Hinduism to like a book in the Bible. So a sutra is like, the word actually translates to thread or and the connotation of the thread is um, uh, the thing that connects all things. And when they use the word sutra, when they say the thing that connects all things, they really mean like God, because God is the thing that is everything. Mm-hmm. And so Sid Sutra is like the idea, because originally, but my first name change was Sid Arthur, which was like a flip on Siddhartha, because mm-hmm. that's the given name of Buddha Gautama. It's just, there's a lot of Buddhas actually, but the one that everyone knows about is Buddha Gautama. And um, uh, as I started digging deeper, um, I kind of came to Sutra. And the idea behind Sutra is like, really getting to the truth of things. There's so many things I feel like we're talking about the process of getting out of pain, you know what I mean? Being in pain all the time. And the pain usually comes from participating in something that's not true, like a belief or a perception that's not true. And there's these little like ideas we have that are making us like make decisions or just see things in a certain way that's causing it, like we were just talking about, oh, the gate's closed, these people are gatekeepers blocking me from success. That's a belief that creates pain. Because if, if I'm an artist, I want to be able to do this as a career. And I, now I'm in a belief that's putting a blockage in between me and something that's going to make my career work. So like, that's the kind of things I like to talk about in my music. Like, how do I get, how do I break down these walls of whatever it is that's, that make, that's the thing that's going to make somebody happy or not happy but have joy or had this feeling of purposefulness in their life or something that's making that's contributing to somebody's change like if somebody wants to change their life and they want to put something in their ear that's like this supports where i'm going then that's that's what his sutra is and that's why i chose that name you've always come across to me as like not i wouldn't say a spiritual brother but i feel like you've always been in tune with things. Whenever we have conversations, I can feel like you've always been in tune. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, case in point, the last time that I saw you, because again, me and his brother will always see each other on the trolley. Yeah, you know, like that's true. Random, random times. That's true. That's true. You yeah. know, and we will always. I feel like we will always sit at the same distance. Like we all mm-hmm. either be like a seat away from each other or whatever. Mm-hmm. I walk up, I'm like, Dave, what up? What up? So I had gone through something, you know, because I was like, because this, this entire year has been weird energy wise for me. It is. You know, I, either you want to say like it's like perpetual retrograde. I don't know what it is, but it was this this last month was this month was crazy. Yes, and last time when I saw you, yeah. I was going through something, but I didn't like it's nothing I, I made like public. Like, oh man, I'm going through something. Yeah. It was just I was just chilling. retrograde ended today. Today, right? But just for this interview. 
Uh, yeah, yes. See? Positivity, baby. Yeah. Be back in the swing of things. Yeah. So when you were on the trolley, you were, you were discussing like just, just something random at the, at, at the point. But when we had gotten off, we had had a legit discussion because we were walking up. We were at 13th uh, Street at the terminal, mm. underground, walking up towards the escalator. Mm. And you brought up anxiety and depression. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you, how you broke it down, you broke it down in a way that I had never, ever thought of before. Yeah. Because in his words, yeah. he said that anxiety was, um, like, I guess, like, fear of the future and depression mm-hmm. was fear of the past. Yeah. Now, break that down for those. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and, and just a little backdrop from that, that's the thing, too, like, not even just any mental health issues, but physical health issues like like diabetes stuff like that heart attack stroke like all those things are a result of beliefs like there's there's literally literally like a belief underpinning of every disease every single one um a champion there's there's a few books i champion one of them is you can heal your life is by a woman named louise hay but to go back to what you were saying anxiety is concern from the future and you got to kind of you got to kind of bring it back to the ego because ego is not just i'm that nigga that's not what ego that's one head the ego has many heads so ego is also um perceived threats so if something undesirable could come in the future then your body is firing off all these chemicals or all these hormones that are producing a a physical state in your body you know what i mean and so anxiety might be shortness of breath the same way as if you were getting chased by a you know large dog or something you know what i mean or you were at gunpoint or something and that's not and that's not even an extreme comparison your body can for fear because they for instance say the fear of speaking is greater than the fear of death you know for a lot of people Mm. so because the outcome could be bad there could be some type of humiliation and so with that said ego will produce the same physiological state within your body as if you were under the uh under the condition of being at gunpoint you know right and so the same thing with the past if i'm concerned about something that's already happened that i can't change mm-hmm. then now physiologically i'm getting pulled into like a low vibration so like my body is literally like becoming sluggish um i wish i had the right the right hormones I could, off the top of my head but there are hormones that are being secreted so literally by having a spiritual practice or even just a thought pattern that puts you in either of those places instead of in the present moment creates what we clinically will call depression or anxiety or any type of mania, like any of those things, like, uh, uh, or mania, like if you heard the term manic depressive, mm-hmm. any of those, that list of mental health issues, if you read the description of each one of them, they have two points, mania and depression. And you're bouncing back and forth between these extremes if you're in that state. So that's like what's taking place with that. What do you do? Like, What are your practices to keep yourself safe from either of those two extremes? Being present, also doing my best to not think so much. Especially if you're somebody that is an artist, especially, not an artist, I'm sorry, if you're someone that your job involves a lot of planning, 
um, a lot of deadlines, things like that. Or um, if you're someone that's been through something in, in your past and there's a fixation on that thing that happened in your past, there's a uh, just being present and stopping all the thoughts. Like there's a, I always like to, this is a popular one in mindfulness, using the metaphor of clouds and each one of your thoughts is a cloud. And when we fixate on that cloud, that cloud's gonna not pass. In, in the natural order of things, like in the sky, clouds will pass over, you know, on their own, you know, mm-hmm. just by nature. And the same thing is true about our own thoughts. And if you look at the brain, the brain looks like a what? A cloud, essentially. So like, if I fixate on a particular thought and just like kind of hold that, then that thought, and also to the emotions, like there's a thing called, I know I'm throwing a lot a lot of science out there, but I'm a super nerd on the low. Yeah, yeah let's <laughs> do it. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. There's a thing called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity, baby. That's a, y- Y'all know who that guy is. There's a thing called neuroplasticity, and that literally means how your brain is wired. So your brain is wired to associate that thought with a series of emotions or a series of experiences or a series of outcomes right then those things have now clouded or, or put or put may put someone in a clouded state but if we master letting those thoughts especially the ones that create i'm gonna throw another one out there ruminating <laughs> ruminate on a thought right ruminating baby I'm, I'm quoting a guy named infinite waters right now he's you should watch his blog he's awesome and those thoughts will pass and we'll have clarity we'll be in a present moment we won't be going to all these different places emotionally based on little triggers that are taking us to certain experiences. Um, and that maintains peace. And also being in a constant state of releasing because the, the ego wants to hold on to things. Typically around wanting to advocate. Advocacy is a big one. When people feel uh, like something happened and, and then I feel like I, can't, I couldn't, couldn't advocate for myself, then I'm looking for the next moment to advocate. And I'm looking for the next moment to advocate so I might recreate those, that situation mm-hmm. um, over and over again. So um, it's important to just be mindful of those things. And you can take inventory. Like you can maybe write a list of as you realize what those triggers are based on maybe just the way we were raised because everybody was raised in a family. Everybody's family got challenges. And, you know, a lot of times we do carry those challenges into our adulthood, mm-hmm. you know. So it's important to just have some awareness of those things, but to, again, not fixate. Because the point is to know that it's there and just be constantly releasing it as it's happening throughout the day. There are a lot of things I feel like I can personally work on. And it's all mental stuff. I feel like mm-hmm. everything's mental. 90% of the game is mental. It's all mental. Quote from one of the elders this time. Does I say that? What will the kids say? He be knowing or she be knowing. You can't assume gender <laughs> in the situation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Rather, I put they be knowing. How about that? That's better. <laughs> yeah. I think that's ill because I believe in more so now than ever as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. pardon me, as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. that centering oneself is the key to life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know, I've been, because I don't know, I guess the past couple of years, I've been on this this journey of seeing, like, where to go and, and what section. 
Mm-hmm. So you know, I have to get my, I have to get into meditating. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I, I pray you know, every night. Like, though I'm not of any religious, you know, background. I'm not, you know, affiliated with any uh, religious gang out here. You know what I mean, <laughs> gang, gang. <laughs> you know, I still have uh, time. I, you know, I'm, if I'm grateful for anything, I, you know, I give thanks or whatever it is because I believe in it's the energy. Mm-hmm. If I put out like grateful energy, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. returns. In a, in a way, you know? Absolutely. I'm gonna tell you a quick story. It's, That's the it's, one. It's weird as hell. So, you know, laundry time comes up and I gotta wash these drawers, man. You know, gotta wash <laughs> these drawers. So I had like a bunch of quarters in the crib mm-hmm. and I was like, sweet, I gotta take money out of my account. Boom, quarters on the desk. Let's get let's get this money. Let's wash these drawers. Let's get this money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's wash these. Bow. So I get down there. You know, I took care of that, and I'm in the middle of washing my clothes. Mm-hmm. And this dude comes in out of nowhere, and he's like, yo, man, look, tap me on the shoulder. He says, excuse me, bro, I want to disrespect. I'm trying to disrespect you, man, but look, um, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to pay these bills out here, man. I ain't got nothing, bro. And I said, dog, oh, I said, man, I ain't got no cash on me, like, bills, because, you know, I'm out here, I'm in a plastic world now, so I'm like, I really have cash on me like that, so, mm-hmm. but I had quarters on me. And I said, look, all I can give you right now out of my current laundry budget, you know, is like, <laughs> is whatever I can give you. So I gave him like a dollar, maybe in quarters. Mm. And he said, yo, man, it's, anything helps, man. Boom, thanks. So he dipped out right. of the block. I said, cool. Then I, after I was done, like, taking care of my clothes, I realized, I said, man, I ain't got no more quarters to draw my clothes. Now I gotta go in my account and take out an unnecessary amount just to get like a quarter out of it, right? Or two quarters. <laughs> Mad salty. <laughs> so I come back to the laundry machine, to the laundromat, and so my life had number number is seven. Right? Yeah. Right? Let's so go. I, that's my favorite number. So I saw yeah. seven was the uh seven is actually my my favorite dryers to use because my life path number. Uh, so I said, yo, I'm gonna go to the seventh joint real quick, man, and put my uh-huh. clothes in there. Something said, yo, push the button. Because usually, like, after I put the money in, I push the button, mm. and it'll turn on. So I was like, yo, it was, yo, Mike, just push the button, see what's up. I said, mm. all right. I put my clothes inside the machine. Boom, I ain't put no money in yet. I push the button just to assess for it to say, like, yo, insert money. Because I do weird shit like that. Mm-hmm. I pushed <laughs> the button. It had 18 minutes left. Ah. On the dryer. Yeah. It was like the same amount of money that I gave that dude to leave, I gave him before he left. Mm. It's the same amount of money that was on the machine for me to wash my clothes. So I I threw an extra quarter in and make make it 24 minutes, right? And it was just just amazing. I stood there, like I stood there in awe, like Mm. looking around like, yo, am I being punk right now? Like what's going on here? But like it was the energy, man. Yeah. So that's why like I'm, I'm more so, I'm into, Putting out positivity, yeah, not just because of of a return, but like just because you got it. If you can do it, why not do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and that thing that's bringing me peace right now when I can, because I had my ain't shit moments. You know, we all human, mm-hmm. but I guess finding the key to being centered now is keeping me on point. Mm-hmm. So the question, that's the question I wanted to ask you was like. What is your spiritual base like? Because I feel like, because like, like I said, when I talk to you, I feel like you and the universe always like, ding, like in tune, yeah. you know? Yeah, Dude. no, but that is real. And that's how, that's how it should be. That's how I try to like make decisions as often as I can. 
you know, or just like, just even like what, you know what I mean? What, what radio show to be on? I, I, I think about vibes first, you know what I mean? Before I do things, um, you know, cause that helps maintain the peace, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, not saying you're gonna gotta go into Dragon's Den sometime, but you know, no, nah, no, nah, I was, I was raised Christian. Straight up, raised Christian. Like, I was, I was Christian. I look. We went to Catholic school. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Parents work real hard. You know, just, you know, stereotypical two jobs so your kids could get educated type deal. You know what I mean. And went straight to Catholic school. Went to church every Sunday. Wow. For for a while, I was going to church by myself every Sunday. And my parents weren't going to church. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Like it was like that. I remember one day. Um, I was going to church and my sister came in. Mind you, in the backdrop, I was telling you about my elders. All the elders I know practice different faiths. Some of my elders are Ross. I got elders that straight comedic priests, like literally like you watch, not to say that it's like the movies, you watch the movies and they, in Egypt, like like real comedic priests, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Type deal. Some of my elders, I got one elder that was my godfather's a Muslim. I was raised Christian. My godfather's a Muslim. And it's, it's been like that my whole life. Like, I was always getting spiritual information from a bunch of different faith, um, people of different faiths, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, bring it full circle. I was about to go to church one morning, and my sister came home. She knocked on the door. She was like, where are you going? Because um, I've been at school. So, I just come back from school. She's like, where are you going? I'm going to church. She's like, what do you think is going to happen if you don't go to church? I was like, you're true. I mean, you're right. Nothing's going to happen if I don't go to church. Knowing what I know and what I learned about how to be, just being a great person, beyond like the, the esoteric part of it, what I learned about being a great person came from so people of so many different faiths. And the underlying, and, and that kind of started me on the path of study too, like the underlying, what's the underlying truth? And that's why I picked that name again. What's the underlying truth that you that is universally true and unifying across and i was taught that to see where things meet you mm-hmm. know what i mean where where are you know what i mean what is so what is christ you know what i mean so what is what is what what were the things christ did we get caught up in the doctrines what were the things christ did that made his life miraculous and then we go to the quran and then what's miraculous about the different prophets in the quran what's miraculous about someone in hinduism like krishna as you're reading all these things, you're like, yo, all these cats are doing the same thing. They're doing the same practice. They're all surrendering their life to a higher power and letting their steps be guided by someone or by an energy that is including all energies. And they're at peace because they know that their existence is guided by something beyond them. And so then they get carried through all these trials and to a death and they have to rise again. It's the same thing over and over again. And so each individual human being is going through that process over and over again, literally minute by minute, hour by hour, and different periods of your life and the test of our life. We're going through that same process. And that's why those stories are written down in books so we can look to them when we're going through those process processes. So you know it's not it's not one it's it's one you know <laughs> so like that's not one it's one you know the source yeah which all comes from all returns to it right yeah so that's how, that's how the game goes out here yo that's very very interesting man see i'm so glad that you were available to come through yeah bro because like listen yeah because there's, there's a variety of people who i meet in the city 
mm. and I have met in the city who always stood out to me as being like dope people, mm. but not bef- not because of like uh, you know like simple reasons like oh this guy has a cool car that guy. You know, that guy has a nice pair of glasses. Like, nothing. Nice you know what I mean? Like, nothing on that level. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's always because of something that I, I can see in their characters. Mm-hmm. And, so it's, and that's what I always respect. It's like, because I don't know, um, a lot of us seem to be stuck on looking the part, mm-hmm. but they're not doing anything to actually be the part. Mm hmm. You know, I'm all, and I've been on this journey of like digging deeper and deeper and deeper into things mm-hmm. just to understand how it works. Because ever since I was a kid, it was like, listen, y'all can talk about race cars all day, but I'd rather have me a, a Lego set, mm-hmm. you know, from the blue bucket. Mm-hmm. Right. So, somebody had the red. I wanted the red, but it's cool. My blue is fine. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I always build things, take things apart. Mm-hmm. When, when Connects came Absolutely. out, it was the same thing. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got to understand what it's all about. Like, <laughs> it's about these Connects out here. Yeah, Connects out here, man. Like, <laughs> you know, like what, what piece does what? How can I make uh-huh. this girl? How can I make a bike out, out of a bunch, bunch of sticks and pieces? Right. How can I make a Ferris oh, you had the bike. I had the bike too. <laughs> yeah, that was the one. Because that, <laughs> that, was, that was a starter set. Baby. I had the <laughs> You know? Where? That was a starter set. Yeah. I love that, man. But, like, uh, it was always built on, like, life, my entire life has always been, like, a, a search of something. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's maybe why I enjoy uh, A Tribe Called Quest so much, because mm-hmm. it's the, the idea of, like, going on a quest and mm-hmm. trying to find out different things. Mm-hmm. And with you, I feel like with your music and your life that you've lived this far, I witness there's a quest there, too. There's a search for something greater than yourself mm-hmm. but by some of the songs that i've heard it's like you go about that search for something greater than yourself within yourself because mm-hmm. you mentioned like there's times when you like you feel like you're talking yourself through things mm-hmm. to figure it all out right. you know what i mean that's why like when i have my journal my journal is, is i use it for the same thing mm-hmm. you know i have my i write down my ideas and try to figure out like actually i swear you would think that i had multiple personalities because, like, I'm writing in my journal, I'm like, yeah, I should, I should be doing mm. this. Man, you tripping, man. What are you doing? I'm like, you right, you right, mm. you right. Next mm. page, next page, you know? Because mm-hmm. I have to do it because introspection is, mm. I feel like introspection is kind of like my, like, my line to the, mm. the divine, you know? Yeah. Because it allows yeah, me to go into it. check myself and see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So it's like something I'm always constantly, like, putting together. Even if I, even if I don't put it out there on Front Street, that's what I'm about. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, is this what it is? So, you know? But yeah, man, I want to say, uh, you know, getting down to the uh, the end of the show, my main man, Sid Sutra, you know, a.k.a., you know, Mr. Little, the homie, yeah, uh, formerly of Selah, you know, I want to say thank you for coming by to the show, thank yeah. you for sharing your energy. Word, yes, And, sir. you know, of course, uh, the show won't end on, a, on, on this note, because we're going to play one of your joints. Cool. At the end of this episode, people are going to hear it. They're going to vibe right. out to it. And let it be like that, man. So what song are we going to hear from you? I got a new single. I actually have three singles. Can I, can I go? Can I? Yeah, go ahead. I got, okay, quickly, because I know we're trying to get, get out the door. No, no, take your time, bro. It's all good. Cool. I got three singles. The first single is not available on streaming because it is a flip. It's a doom flip of the legendary 
Uh, Matt Villainy song, Rhinestone Cowboy. I made a trap beat out of it, and it, ha- it just has too much of the song. You know, I don't, I don't have the resources at the moment to clear the license. You know, but I do want people to hear it. So you can get that one on my SoundCloud. It's called Cowboy. Then I also got another single called No Need, which is like an Afro beat, like electronic Afro beat track. Um, please, please listen to that. What you're going to get at the end of this podcast is daylight at night. So definitely check that out. Is it? It's crazy because it goes right along with this conversation. So like, yeah, just kind of check that out. It's on every streaming platform. Was I'm not, it's not? I don't think it's on Apple Music yet, but it should be soon. But yeah, yeah, that's it. Awesome. So my brother, tell them where they can find you at. I'm gonna make it personal. Oh shit. Because I can't. I have a website, but I'm about to launch a new website. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to wait for that to drop. And in the meantime, friend me on Facebook. Like, that up. Friend me on Facid Sutra on Facebook. I do have a, a an artist page. But, no, friend me, the person. And talk. Come, come on Facebook. Message. And we can, like, literally, like, the same way we're chopping it up right here. Because I want to talk to y'all. You know? So, that's what it is. And it's spelled S-I-D for Sid. Sutra is S-U-T-R-A. So again, I'm spelling it out for you guys who may not be able to spell correctly. <laughs> I've seen some of your Facebook posts, and I am, I am appalled by your spelling. Um, it's S-I-D-S-U-T-R-A. I, I know that's petty, man, but y'all have seen people spell some things out of pocket recently. I'm like, yo, how did you survive this long <laughs> with, with, with words? How are you able to feed yourself? Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> like, how, how are you able to get your own milk of words? How can you not spell? I just, I wonder, like, dude, and, and, and wait a minute. And, and I know you guys write it on your phones and on your computer. That red line that appears under the words you can't spell, <laughs> that's telling you something. That's telling you you're not spelling it correctly. That is a typo. It's a typo. Like, I've seen people spell words like the word embalming, right? <laughs> The word spell embalming is E E M B A L M I N G, right? What was the post about? Because <laughs> the guy was rap battle and dude was saying he was killing it, right? Oh, okay. And he was. It was one of my favorite battlers, but he spelled it I M B O M I N G, I think. Embalming. But I spelled it and I saw it and I was like, oh, my Lord Jesus. What is going on here? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, I I really just lost. I was at a loss for words. Where I just would, I really just wanted to know, like, under what circumstances someone talks about embalming. Yeah, he was casually. Like, 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 I'm just killing this cat, embalming. <laughs> it was like, dude was like, no, my man is E M B A L M I N G, not I M B O M I N G, bro. I think I'm gonna do my last thing I say about people spelling. If I cut the episode off and get to the music, much love to you all. Thanks for listening to episode 31. Oh man, you have any past final thoughts? Um, yeah, man, just, uh, when you're out here, please remember that, like, um, this world, this world is pro you. I know it, I know it look, I know it look like it's not pro you. I know it's a lot of things that appear to be stacked against you, but this world is pro you. And whatever it is you want, like, deep down inside, like, that you really, like, when you know what you really want, and, and you, and you hold true to that, and you let life show you where to go and how to get that, mm-hmm. you're going to get that. All right. Salute. One love to all y'all. Peace.
live life like angel. Try to live life like grandmama. Try to live life like my pop pop. I lie, bitch, for an anthem. These cops wanna put me in a box. These niggas wanna put me in a box. On the low, I just be showing love. Even if it seem my love not. While they picking petals off a tulip. Keep my eye on Sparrow, keep it moving. I be Jack Sparrow around the clock. Seven twice, even when I'm sleeping. Bunch of L's don't know what they want. Bunch of L's wanna boom me up. Elevated with no pedestal. It's going down, then it's going up. It's going down like a sea got planted. We'll see what happens when I finish flying. The beehive frequency and it's dumping. We'll see if we get fertilizer from it. This beehive to stop pollinating off it. To top it all off, sun, I'm shining on it. Bottom line, I grow down when I'm growing up with. To top it all off, hey, I'm growing on them. To top it all off, it's the black top. I bet I came up on the concrete on them. No buttercup, I got some thorn shit. I rose like the sun on some early shit. I rose and I'm early, that's Philly shit. Arrows, I'm on point like an arrow's tip. Back to the rose, I walked down the aisle with this shit to break through like a marble. Shit. Just tryna get free from the low frequency Frequently visiting the books for a mustard seed Niggas been turning into chiefs as they cheat As they pontificate Turn to Buddhas off my baits Shrink Sutra in the motherfucking like the Pope in the Bulletproof, the Dalai Lama in the Benzo I'm on foot, I'm on water though, I'm on water, I'm on fire though Got passed over, I was flatbread Watch the word multiply the loaf, man, the law weak, put my faith hope Watch the bars turn this lead to go, turn this cold to a solitaire Turn these tears to a dead sea, take a swim, that's on me This upper tier got the upper hand on another level Nigga levitating on another plane like a switch the leer Shining high like a chandelier Shining high like Jordan from the key Curry from the Urkel needs distraction Game on lock, get Sutra for three Try to hold me, that's and one I don't miss those and one Wasn't in the lead and one Crowd showing mad love, one
You win.